to the Travel Squad podcast. We adventure the world together, one passport stamp at a time. We're here to share travel news, tips, and our own adventures with you. Every Travel Tuesday, we share stories on a variety of topics, including our hometown, San Diego, hiking, weekenders, national parks, international getaways, and inspiring you to go on your own adventures, even if it starts with your own backyard. I'm Jamal. Brittany. And I'm Kim. And And we're we're the the Travel Travel Squad Squad Podcast. Podcast. So grab your ticket and your passport. And don't forget your travel insurance. And prepare for takeoff. Hello, fellow travelers. Hello, squad. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 84 of the Travel Squad podcast. Today, we're taking you to St. John in the U.S. Virgin Islands. This episode is a semi-continuation of our other U.S. Virgin Island episode we had two weeks back talking about St. Thomas. We visited both islands on the same trip, but we wanted to feature each island separately. St. John has a more relaxed island vibe since it's mostly residential. And little did I know until we started really planning this trip that 60% of the island of St. John is actually a national park. That is such a fun fact. It is a fun fact. I have not been to St. John. I actually was thinking about going on this trip, but it just didn't work out. So I'm so excited to hear about it. I haven't actually heard a lot from you guys yet. And I have seen some of your pictures. It looked gorgeous. I've seen some turtle chomping videos. Heck yes. Which we do have on our YouTube right now. Sea turtle eating a jellyfish. And yeah, I'm really, really excited to hear about it. You know, I love everything Caribbean. So can we get right into it? Yes, we can. So Jamal and I took this trip in January and we took it with our friends, Kasha and Ryan. At the time that we took the trip, you did have to have a negative COVID-19 test done within five days of travel. You also had to upload the results to the U.S. Virgin Island portal within 24 hours of travel, and then it gave you a QR code that you will use once you land. And it was also helpful to have our printed COVID-19 negative test results with us once we got to the airport as well. And with all travel, COVID updates and restrictions are being updated regularly. So this is as it stands now and when we went. Obviously, look when you book what the current regulations are, whether it be to the Virgin Islands or anywhere else for that matter. It's still just a good travel tip in general (laughs) these days. I'm sure we should have learned by now over a year in. I mean, you really have to check the travel requirements. I like your motto there. Look when you book. Look, Look when you book. book. Did I even say, I mean, I know what I said, but did I say it like that? Yeah. That's great. I rhymed without even intending to. <laughs> nice. So give us some tips for visiting this island. So right now is a really good time to go because cruise ships aren't sailing or docking to that area. And those are huge cruise port destinations, particularly St. Thomas. You have to take a ferry across to St. John. And because cruise ships aren't going to St. Thomas right now, that also means the island of St. John isn't getting any cruise ship visitors. Yeah, and the island of St. Thomas, which is just a little bit away, I mean, it's about 10 miles, probably a little bit less, 30-minute ferry ride. There is no airport on there, commercial airport, so you would have to land on St. Thomas and then go over to St. John unless you had your own private boat and you sailed there yourself. So that really is the only way to get there unless you have your own boat is taking the ferry over from the main island. Did you see yachters taking the yacht from one island to the next? 
I mean, so many people had boats. I didn't realize if they're just going from one island to the next themselves, but people okay. are recreationally okay. going from island to island because there's different like little bays and beaches. So I didn't see anybody doing it, but I know there are because there's tons of boats out there. I like what I hear. Kim, you definitely want to do a yacht trip one of these days. I feel oh, like hell yeah. that's your vibe. Oh, yeah. But another tip for St. John, U.S. Virgin Island, is you're definitely going to want to rent an SUV because the roads there are really steep and they're not that great in condition. So we definitely rented an SUV and then we took a car barge from St. Thomas over to St. John and we were able to rent this from our Airbnb host actually. Yeah, you can rent a car through the normal rental car channels and companies. They have them at the airport. We were just fortunate enough that our Airbnb host also had a rental car. So you are going to want to do that, especially if you're not staying on the island of St. John. St. John, like I said, it does have a few touristy things in general and a few resorts, but most of those are going to be on St. Thomas. So most people stay there and then take the barge over. So Jamal found out very last minute that you actually have to drive on the left side of the road in the U.S. Virgin Islands. How last minute? As soon as he gave me the keys to the rental car. I mean, our host for the Airbnb, he picked us up and he said, who's ready to drive on the left? And we touched upon this when we were talking about St. Thomas. But, you know, thinking it's an American territory, I thought to myself, well, clearly we're going to be driving on the right side of the road. I mean, I didn't even have that thought because I knew this was an American territory. And then lo and behold, you find out that we really are driving on the left. So it's true on St. Thomas, and it's also true on St. John, for that matter. So do keep that in mind. A few more tips for you guys. Definitely bring bug spray and also bring some reef-friendly sunscreen because you're definitely going to be sun exposed. You're in the Caribbean. We have a reef-friendly sunscreen that we love, and we will link to it in the show notes for you. Yes. And then the last tip that we learned actually as we were leaving, and so we want to pass it on to you guys, is to bring your passports or global entry card. It helps with faster processing to leave the airport. And if in times in the future, if you could island hop, you might want to use it to island hop to the British Virgin Islands. Yeah. I mean, the British Virgin Islands are right there. You can see it from St. John, from St. Thomas just as well. When we went during COVID here, it wasn't open to island hop between since they are technically two separate nations in that sense. But even if you're flying from the U.S. Virgin Islands back to mainland USA or Puerto Rico, so technically at that point it's considered domestic, they do want you to have your passport. Now, if you don't have one, your driver's license will be fine. It just takes them a little bit longer time to find you in the system to allow you to go through. But since it is technically a port of entry, since it's an island, it is something that they want everybody to have to make the process faster, but you don't need it. But if you do have it, bring it so that you are good. So Jamal mentioned earlier that 60% of St. John is actually a national park, Virgin Islands National Park, and it just has so much to offer. When people imagine Virgin Islands National Park, they think of white sand beaches, clear turquoise waters, but Mm -hmm. there's just so much more to this national park. You can take a hike to a sugar plantation ruin or a secluded beach. Did you do that? We did. We definitely did do that. Yeah, because I mean, before this was an American territory and island, I believe it was the Dutch who had -hmm. control over it, right? And it was a big sugar plantation island. So they have some old, I guess you could call them ruins of their old factories that they had. And one of them is just literally sitting there right on the beach. So we started at a high, we'll get to it, but we started like at a high level on the road and hiked down into the jungle towards the beach to get to that. So lots of stuff to do hiking wise and even just simple beach relaxation wise. 
And Kim, they even had ancient petroglyphs carved in to the rocks by the Taino Indians. So it's a really unique island because you can relax on the beach, soak up the sun, you can snorkel, go explore the coral reefs. And this national park has no entrance fees. I like that. Fuck them hard. Fuck Fuck them hard. hard. It has no entrance fee, but I think we got a little bit ahead of ourselves here because we did mention that you do have to take a ferry to get there. So again, unless you have your own boat, you really are going to have to some way pay to get across to take the ferry to St. John. So in a sense, I guess that could be the entrance fee, if you will. So let's talk a little bit about the ferries, because I feel like most people who are going will be coming from St. Thomas to get there. Right, Brittany? Unless you're Kim and you're arriving on a private yacht. Yeah, that's that's how I like to Well, travel. Kim lives the millionaire lifestyle, so <laughs> it doesn't surprise me that that's going to be her way of entrance to St. John. But for us peasants down here, <laughs> let's talk about how we got to get there from the barge. Yes. So you can either take a passenger ferry from St. Thomas and then rent a car once you get to the other side, or you could do what we did, which was take a car barge from St. Thomas. And so it gets yourself, your passengers and your car across. And it's about 55 bucks round trip, but you should make reservations online in advance. You definitely should make reservations in advance. They do say that they do allow some people as, I shouldn't say walk-ups, drive-ups really (laughs) to get on without reservations. But we took one of the first ones or the first one in the morning to go across Mm -hmm. and we got there maybe 45 minutes to an hour early because that's the recommendation that we saw online because so many people who don't have the reservations will try to come in. And they let those people without reservations in the line queue to back up onto the barge, even if they don't have it. So if you have one, they tell you all the time you may make it on the second one. So squad tip. Really do arrive early, at least an hour before your reservation time to ensure you make it on that barge. And how long is the barge trip? It took about 25 minutes. 20 to 30 minutes, I'd say. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, definitely not too bad. And when you're on the car barge, you can actually get out of your car, go up on like the second level, look out at the sun, the water. Because like when we went, it was pretty early in the morning. So the sun was rising above the water. It was really beautiful. And then also another squad tip is to look up the time that the last barge leaves because if you don't and you don't make it back, then you're stuck on the island. And if you have no hotel reservations, you're sleeping in your car, I guess, or paying a premium for last minute hotel booking. So do keep that in mind. And the last thing I want to say about the barge is bring your A game when it comes to your driving game because they make you back up onto that thing in a line. And I could back up straight, but when you're doing it onto a barge and there's other cars beside you and then everybody else is kind of watching you because they can't move (laughs) until you move. It puts a lot of pressure on you. So it's a little nerve wracking in that sense. So do keep that in mind. Like you're going to have to reverse up onto that thing so that when you land at the next port, you can drive straight off. So that's their standard thing is you reverse on. Yeah, so the first thing that we did once we got to St. John was we went to the Cruise Bay Visitor Center, and it has a lot of exhibits, activity schedules, brochures, maps. You can also ask a park ranger their questions to help you plan your time in the national park. And then, you know what was really cool about the Visitor Center here? They had some of the best Christmas ornaments we've ever been able to purchase in a national park. Wow. Like, there was such a good selection. We had a hard time choosing what ornament we were Yeah, picking. normally when we get our Christmas ornaments at national parks, if they have them, we try to go for the nice ball painted ones. And some national parks have them, 
some don't. And if they have those ones, then the other ones that they have are usually shitty. And then if they don't have those, then they're usually the shitty, like smaller little ornaments. They were so good here that we literally had three or four different ones that we were deciding from, and it made it quite difficult. So if you're into Christmas ornaments, you're going to have a field day trying to pick which one you want, unless you're going to buy them all. So solid, solid Christmas ornaments at this National Park Visitor Center. So we're going to talk about the beaches next, which Kim is like probably most enthralled about because she loves a good beach. I'm ready to dive in. These are solid beaches here, Kim. Real, (laughs) real solid ones. So some general beach tips are there's limited parking at the beaches. You're not allowed to have glass on the beach. And unfortunately, there are some sand fleas. So just kind of be aware of that as well. We got torn up. And for a while, we were like, are we getting mosquito bites? Are we getting regular bug bites? And then we realized, okay, we're getting some sand flea bites here. So they are out and about. So do keep that in mind. You will probably get torn up a little bit. But it's well worth it. Excuse me, what is a sand flea? Sand fleas. Well, they're fleas that live in the sand, Kim. (laughs) (laughs) I've never experienced this. When you're laying on a towel or in your tummy Bahama beach chair... They're getting on you? Well, you can't even tell until like you're done for the day. You're yeah. like, how did I and get And you're these literally bites? I mean, they're done. like they're like yeah, they're like microscopic. And I mean, <laughs> they weren't all over our body and we were sitting in our beach chairs, but your feet are in the sand or if you're sitting in a chair, sometimes you bury your feet in the sand just cuz it's the comfortable thing to do and so you have a few bites that are on your leg from the sand fleas. 1 to 10 scale of how bad they are compared to mosquito bites. Uh, I would rather have these over mosquito bites. They were definitely itchy, but they're tolerable. They're more like, where did I get these from and whatnot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do be aware of that. So the first beach we're going to talk about is Cinnamon Bay Beach. And Cinnamon Bay Beach is the longest beach on St. John. So there's plenty of room for everyone to spread out. They have the pristine white sand and there's palm trees that are towering over the beach line and they extend for like half a mile down. And so it's just a really beautiful beach. Yeah, and there's also a really small K area that's offshore to the east, and it's said to be really, really good for snorkeling. You know, we did so many beaches on this trip that sometimes when we went to it, we just sat and didn't really go in the water, and some of them we did more snorkeling and in-water adventures. And this one, it ended up raining on us, did it not, when we were there a little bit? So we didn't get into the water in that sense. We used those beautiful palm trees as shade, but they have that spot that's great for snorkeling. And if you really, really want to, there is a plane wreckage that is in the water that you can see offshore. We didn't go do that either. We found that out after the fact, so it's a little disappointing. I would have gotten in for that, but if you like to see sea wreckage and plane wreckage and these beautiful, clear, pristine waters, you can check that out here at Cinnamon Bay. Hey travelers, let's take a quick detour to talk all about our travel itineraries that we've created just for you. We now have six different trip itineraries. One week in Kauai, an American Southwest weekend or road trip, a week in Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks, a road trip adventure featuring all three of Washington State's national parks, Big Island, Hawaii, and an Arizona road trip that features all three of Arizona's national parks. We are obsessed with these. These itineraries are 20 to 30 page PDF guides with every detail of the trip laid out. We're talking where to fly into, the exact route to take, where to stay, park entrance prices, where to eat, and driving distance between attractions. 
plus what things to see and do, even the hikes we recommend and their mileage and the time to allot for each one and so much more. We have story highlights on our Instagram at Travel Squad Podcast where you can see the full guides. We've done all of the research and have taken these exact trips, taking out all of the guesswork from the planning. So all that you have to do is show up and have fun. Purchase your comprehensive Travel Squad Podcast itinerary on our website at TravelSquadPodcast.com. Best of all, they're on sale right now for $30. So travel on over and get yours today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Another really popular beach on St. John is Trunk Bay, and it's actually one of the most popular beaches on the island. It's known for its snorkeling, and it's actually said to be the most photographed, most popular, and most visited beach on St. John. You know what's really funny is when we were here, I thought this beach was really, really beautiful. It has that one little island. I shouldn't even really call it an island. It's not like too far off, but you know, the the rocks and everything that's out there really close to shore. And I thought it was beautiful, but I don't know why people think that this one is the most beautiful. The beach that we're going to talk about next, Maho Beach, and I'm not trying to get ahead of ourselves, but I thought it was way more beautiful than that. But nonetheless, Trunk Bay is still so, so gorgeous, has great snorkeling, and they actually have an underwater snorkel trail in this area here. And you can actually go snorkeling and on the sea floor they actually have plaques that will tell you a little bit about what coral this is or some of the sea life and you're supposed to swim and follow that they had a hurricane a few years back and it's kind of ruined that a little bit and the national park service hasn't really gone in and fixed it so we were able to see it but it wasn't as good as it was so maybe when you go it'll be restored and in its pristine condition for that And although we said the Virgin Islands National Park doesn't have an entrance fee, there is an admission fee of $5 per person to enter this beach. So just keep that in mind. But it helps keep this beach really nice and pristine. So that's nice that they do upkeep it. Yeah. And with the $5 admission fee, I mean, you have your bathrooms, showers, there's a snack bar, picnic tables, and the beach area is rather large. So even though if you go now during the COVID times and when they're still requiring tests to get in, there's very limited people but even on busier times the large beach makes it really nice because everyone could just spread out from each other so like jamal said about the underwater snorkeling trail i would say that this is some of the best collection of coral and marine life that we saw while we were on this island so i definitely think it's a must do and to try it out i do have one question about this beach Mm -hmm. what were the bathrooms like they were actually decent Right outside the bathrooms, there were these huge shower stations and the bathrooms inside, they were they were decent bathrooms. They weren't smelly. They were well <laughs> aerated. So, you know, a decent beach bathroom. I'm glad you actually brought that up because <laughs> we didn't mention this about Cinnamon Bay Beach. 
they also have restrooms there. They don't have the food amenities as uh, Trunk Bay does, but they had restrooms. But when we were there, they were doing restoration and redoing some things. So their actual restrooms were closed and they had porta potties, but they were the large ones. And when we actually arrived, they had somebody who was in there cleaning them. So they get a good clean down too. So even the porta potties here at the beaches at the national park were really, really well maintained. That's good. Good to know. So the last beach we're going to talk about is Maho Beach. And this is mine and Jamal's favorite beach of the entire island. Absolutely. I loved Maho Beach. We loved it so much. We went back a couple times to go here because, again, we were staying on St. Thomas and we went a couple days back and forth to St. John. So as we're talking about this here, we're giving you the highlights, not giving you the exact day by day, moment by moment, as we usually do when we talk about our adventures. We went back here twice. That's how awesome it was. And the first time we were here, as soon as we got in the water, we immediately saw the sea turtles. There's lots of sea turtles in St. Thomas and St. John, and they are more abundant here in the national park. Yeah, so there's like a seagrass bed that's 30 yards away from the beach. And I mean, there's other sea lifes to see as well. But the highlight is the sea turtles. And most of the sea turtles we saw actually have a shark that swims with it and then eats the algae off of its shell. So they're like tiny little sharks. They're not threatening or anything like that. But Maho Beach is our number one recommendation for anyone who wants a chance to swim with sea turtles. Because both times that we went, we were able to swim with several. It wasn't just like we got lucky and saw one. They're all around. You can go in there. Maybe you won't see one for a little bit. Swim to a location. You'll find one. You think you want to follow that one because, oh, my God, I have a turtle. Then you swim somewhere else. And then all of a sudden you see another turtle and then another turtle. So they are abundant over there. And we posted a YouTube video. I highly, highly recommend you go to our YouTube channel, Travel Squad Podcast, and check out the video that I posted here at Maho Beach. We caught a sea turtle chomping on a jellyfish up close close and personal. This is like Discovery Channel documentary nature level stuff that you're going to find. So go check that out. It's really, really awesome. But what I really liked about this beach is it's shaped like a bay. It's rather secluded. The water's really nice and calm, very clear water. And you could rent the stand up paddle boards. We didn't do that because we were just were so enthralled with swimming with the sea turtles. But I loved how you could rent stand up paddle boarding out there. Yeah, it definitely looked fun to do. But we had snorkeling gear. So we wanted to put our faces in the water and watch the sea turtles. And even if you don't want to get in the water, even from the shoreline, you can see looking out into the ocean, every once in a while, a turtle will pop its head up for air. And so you're just like, oh, there's another one. There's another one. And so if you are planning to get in the water, I would wait for one to pop its head up and then head straight out to that location. Yeah. And another thing that I just want to throw out there is this is a great family beach because the water, like I said, is very, very calm and there are some small shady areas. So this is a really, really thin beach. It's rather long, but I would say from the road to the water where it's just sand is what, maybe no more than 15 feet. Yeah, probably. But it's a really, really good family beach in that sense, just as well. We also saw a stingray at this beach as well. Do you remember that, Jamal? I definitely do. You could see lots of sea life out here. And we saw some people, this is right up your alley, Kim, anchoring their boat, partying out there, (laughs) having a really good time. I envisioned Kim out on that boat when I saw it. (laughs) I know you guys did not go to this island and did not hike. You're absolutely right. What's funny is Kasia was on this trip with us and she was like, Brittany, 
I brought my tennis shoes because I knew we couldn't go to a national park without hiking. (laughs) (laughs) She knows you well then. She knows me well. So yes, we definitely did do a hike. It was called Reef Bay Trail Hike. And it wasn't very long. It was about four and a half to five miles. I feel like it was longer than what it said online. And you do gain about 1,200 feet in elevation. But what you do do is you start at the top of a road and then you hike down and you hike through the forest and the foliage to the sugar plantation and then to a beach. Yeah, so that's what I was saying earlier when we were introing this episode, really. I mean, you start at the top of the road and then you work your way into, I want to call it a jungle because, I mean, it is a tropical island. So you have that jungle feel and then you work your way down to shore to sea level, beach level to get to the sugar mill plantation and then the beach. But do keep in mind, there is a lot of, what were they, like wasps or hornets that were on this trail? centipedes. Yeah, so we saw a lot of those the wasps they will actually create their nest on the backside of palm tree fronds or other type of tropical foliage that's really hanging over the trail so do be mindful these aren't really like aggressive ones that if they're out and about flying they're going to come and just attack you but you will get close to them so do keep an eye as you're going and as foliage is low and you're crossing that you don't hit them and there were a lot of big tropical spiders creating webs on this one i mean it was it was quite rustic down in here so you just got to be mindful but it was well worth it and beautiful and then we did a little spur off this trail so that we could see some of the petroglyphs carved into the rocks by the taino indians and right in that area too there's supposed to be a waterfall when we went it was kind of dry but i can imagine that when it's wet or there's been a lot of rainfall that it's a probably a really beautiful waterfall cascading down the rock so that was really cool to see and then once we made it back to the original trail we made it to the sugar mill and the sugar mill building it has a lot of its original equipment and it's actually the best preserved sugar factory in the virgin islands what was also really cool is it houses thousands of hermit crabs yeah when we got up to it i mean we were just looking at it it as like this old crazy brick building and then you can see the gear equipment like spin wheels of sorts that are just made of these big iron metal things and then all of a sudden we saw things kind of moving we're like what is that and we got closer and i was like oh it's a hermit crab and then you just realize it's literally just thousands of them down there and i got up to them and was looking at them it was really really cool it's funny because when we were on the trail we saw one moving like oh hermit crab and we got all (laughs) excited little did we know when we were going to be at the climax point of the hike that there's literally going to be thousands of them there so they're all just nesting chilling small large you name it they're there how large is large i would say the largest one was maybe the size of my fist yeah but then they have tiny little baby ones too so really cute to see and then if you continue on past the sugar mill then there is a secluded beach in the area, which is really cool. Mm, and I, know. I can imagine what goes down. Because <laughs> it wasn't a very well-trafficked trail. And again, I don't know how this trail looks like outside of COVID times. But for us, I mean, you know us, Kim, we're there first thing in the morning. So we did see a few people coming down as we were going back up. But yeah, you can imagine on that secluded beach. But I will say this, the beach was very pretty. The rocks were a little bit more grainy. So it wasn't a type of beach that you want to stay on for a long time because the sand wasn't very comfortable. It was larger sand. Mm. 
that's a, that's so interesting. What determines that about sand? Whether it's bigger sand, softer sand, clean sand. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, a lot of factors, I guess, really go into it. Sand is nothing more than coral or rocks that's broken up over time because of the water. So a lot of times when it's more coarse sand, I feel like you see a lot more coral and sea life that's broken up to make it that way. And maybe it's just not as smooth of water to really erode it down or it hasn't been eroded that long to be smooth. And some of the beaches are older and these are newer. I mean, I think a lot of things come into play on what makes it soft versus grainy. So that's, that's, I would love to do an interview with someone that like knows beach geology. That's Kim's type of science that she's interested in, beach <laughs> geology or <laughs> geography or whatever. That's I would hilarious. love to know. So if any of listeners, you know, if you have these facts, Kim would love to interview you, invite you on our podcast and yes. how do you be a guest? Please so. DM us. I would also like to know what is it about certain beaches that sea turtles are attracted to to come lay their eggs? Oh. To come lay their eggs. That's a good one. I was, like, was going to say, well, they're attracted to places with seagrass so they can eat, but to lay eggs. Yeah, that's a... Uh, that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. We need a marine biologist over here for Kim's stat. Yes, please. <laughs> I'm on the lookout. But going back a little bit here to the Reef Bay Trail, why don't you tell them a little bit, Brittany? I mean, it was hard to find because it wasn't very well signed. So we had something that was like a good cue lookout to make sure where to park. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the roads on the island, they don't have a lot of space to park on the side. And so I was like, you know, is this a popular enough trail to have a parking lot? What is it going to look like? Because from what I can see on Google Maps, it doesn't look like we're going to have a place to park. And so I did some research beforehand. There's no parking lot. You have to park on the side of the road. And the giveaway is like you see a mile five sign. And that's kind of where you'll see a yellow walking street sign. And then you park there and there's a little staircase down. And that's the start of the trail. It's not very well signed. But if you find the right spot to park, which is again minimal, that they have there you'll know you're on the trail because there will be stairs down and once you take the stairs down then there will be the sign giving you the description of the trail itself but it's rather hard to find so unless you know what you're looking out for which is that mile marker sign that you said and then you know you're going to be in good shape but i wouldn't be surprised if some people miss it and pass it Jamal, did we get rained on on this trail? We got rained on on this trail. It is in the tropics, so even though it's not really rainy season at the time in which we went, you can expect random downpours, and it started really, really raining on us. So sometimes we would have to stop, hide under the dense foliage, and we were good. And sometimes when it started raining, we weren't under such dense foliage, and we got soaked. And we saw a deer on this trail, too. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so lots of wildlife. Oh, and we forgot to mention the first thing when we got the car off the barge, what did we come across that stuck its head in our window, Brittany? Wild donkeys. Oh, my God, how cute. (laughs) They are abundant on this island. So they were on the road as we were going up, and then we were stopping to look at them, and Brittany rolled down the window to take a photo, and then it saw the window down, and it wanted to stick its head in and get pet, and so we were playing with a donkey for a little bit of time. So wildlife galore on land and in sea here at St. John. So St. John is super beautiful. I would highly recommend visiting it. We spent two days visiting this island, not back to back, but we did spread it out. But I would say two days is probably enough time to see everything you want to see. Would you recommend spending the night on St. John Island? 
You know, I didn't do a lot of research about St. John and what they had food-wise and whatnot. I think if your focus was the national park, I would stay on St. John as opposed to going back because the last ferry that goes back is probably like 5.30, 6.30. So you do lose some time having to travel back to St. Thomas instead. So if you were really looking to get the most out of your day, then yes, stay overnight on St. John. Yeah, and I think when we were originally planning this trip, we looked into that as a possibility as staying the night. And then we didn't because it's a lot more expensive to stay on St. John than it is on St. Thomas. And so we were like, well, at that point, it's going to be cheaper for us to just pay for the ferry again. So we're like, all right, we're going to wake up early, catch the first one and make sure that we hit the last one back. But the last final thought I really want to give and say on St. John is it is a nice relaxation place. Like it is a national park for a reason. It has scenic beauty, but there's also the wildlife there. So when you're there, you know, just respect the beauty and the nature that you're in, take it all in and enjoy it. But it's so nice, so pristine. This is one of my most favorite tropical island places that I've been to. And I would definitely go back to St. John. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah, Jamal had been harping on me hard. Like, when are we going to take a relaxing vacation? When are we going to do a beach vacation? So I finally (laughs) gave in, finally did it. And, you know, we only talked about like three to four beaches, like the secluded beach and then Cinnamon Bay, Maho and Trunk. But there are so many different beaches on this island. You could spend all of your time just beach hopping if you wanted to. So you could definitely do that. Would you say that you could drink on the beach and have like a nice... Oh, we definitely did drink on the beach. But not bring your own. Like, are there beach bars you can walk up to on the sand? You know, I'm trying to remember. I think Trunk Bay had a place where they were selling alcohol. I think so. I know more on St. Thomas, they had really nice beaches that were selling alcohol there for you. But I would recommend bringing your own. We did that all the time. We brought beers. We just transplanted them into plastic cups because there's no glass allowed on the beach. I mean, you're in a national park, even going to beaches in general, you shouldn't bring glass. You don't want anybody to step on it, right? And then for Brittany and Kasha, they weren't really into the beer drinking. So they had some Malibu rum and some tropical juice and we're some making some mixed mixed drinks. drinks. So, I mean, you can have a really, really good, nice, relaxing time out there. Just again, you know, be considerate. This is a national park. So that's how nice the beaches are, is that it's national park level. So it's clean, it's well-maintained, and it just has that natural scenic beauty. So don't pollute it. Don't do anything bad with it, but be respectful of it. But yes, you can definitely drink on there. And we sure did. Yeah, Cash and I filled up a water bottle with with juice it had like pineapple orange banana flavor Mm. and then we bought some malibu rum packed that in like another water bottle and then we brought some cups and we just mixed our drinks on the beach nice proud of you guys we thought you'd be proud of us kim (laughs) (laughs) very nice very nice well if there's no other final thoughts then i'm ready to get to my favorite time of the week questions of the week We have one question this week and it's coming in with, ooh, is this a type of island that you would want to do an all-inclusive resort or a guided tour to? I don't think so, Kim. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you why and tell our squatty who had the question why. As much as I enjoyed this island, if you're really there only for the beach 
and want to stay in the national park, then yes. But if you want to enjoy the national park and then do something else outside and go to St. Thomas, I definitely think that's better because some of the best food I've ever really eaten on vacation, I actually had on this trip. So in an all-inclusive setting, you know, the food is included and I'm sure it's great, but I love the local cuisine and from the restaurants that we did have. But if you really just want to stay on the beach, stay in the national park, then maybe, but if you want to see more then I don't think it's conducive for you. I also think that guided tours, you get a lot done in your day, like you're always on the go. And this is a really good place to relax and go at your own pace and spend time on the beach. Island time. Yeah, like island time. And so I think like although guided tours do have their perks for other itineraries, I don't think it really fits the style for this trip. Okay, that makes sense. Two follow-up questions from me, the listener over here. (laughs) For Brittany... What about cruises? Do you think it's a good place to port for the day and just experience it in that way? Yeah, I do think so. Like if you are going to port and you are going to St. Thomas, I would book the excursion to go to St. John because I do think it's worth it and to see some of the beaches there. So in that sense, absolutely. Okay, makes sense. And then Jamal, you said that this island was one of the best foods you've had on vacation, the local cuisine. What was that that you ate? Well, this was more so on St. Thomas because we were staying on St. Thomas and we took our picnic food when we went to St. John. But just in general, to get back to that question, we had a lot of good stuff that was more seafood. So not up your alley, because I know you're not a seafood person, but we had some amazing fish tacos. Then one local restaurant has a lobster night. So we did the lobster night. And then we went to another restaurant that had this really good lemon butter grouper or something like that. And then, gosh, even they had barbecue out there that was delicious. That wasn't seafood oriented, but that was even good. So I think a lot of the places out on the islands are mom and pops and not chains. And they had really, really good food. That you forgot I your lot. dinner at the la- on the last night with the salmon and the shrimp. Oh yeah. How did I forget that? I had probably one of the best salmons and shrimps I've ever had also on that last night. I'm trying to remember the name of the restaurant. I think we talked about it on St. Thomas. Did we not? I think so. But yeah, that one was really good too. So lots of good seafood all around. If you haven't listened to episode 82 on St. Thomas, then definitely get over to that one next and listen all to that one because they're so close. You have to hit both. And for all of the ladies out there, you know, going on a beach vacation gives you an excuse to buy more cute bathing suits and have like a new bathing suit per day. So that's always exciting. That was what Brittany was doing. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice, Brittany. I'm very proud of you for that too. All right, squatties, that is the episode of the week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Keep the adventures going with us on Instagram and YouTube at Travel Squad Podcast and send us in your questions. And if you found the information in this episode to be useful, or if you thought we were just plain funny, please share it with a friend that would enjoy it too. And as always, guys, you know it. Please subscribe, rate and review our podcast, and tune in every Travel Tuesday for new episodes. Stay tuned for next week's episode. We have some more amazing adventures and tips in store for you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye,